You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 376. This episode is about life and business opportunities during COVID-19. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. We find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic and everyone in the world has been impacted in one way or another. By controlling what we can control and accepting what we cannot control, we can discover new opportunities and make the best out of the situation, both in life and business. Life will never be the same again. The new normal with COVID-19 is a chance to do things differently and create new opportunities for yourself. If you want to get an idea for what you can offer during this time, then join our upcoming Weekend Bootcamp create your recession-proof offer. You'll find a link in the show notes at signal.com forward slash 376. I feel like I'm in a Hollywood movie, except it is all very real. Over the years, I've watched a few disaster movies about pandemics, read about the Spanish flu and Black Death, But never in a million years did I think I would actually experience a pandemic myself. I bet you feel the same way. If someone would have told me at the beginning of this year what would happen with a newly discovered virus in Wuhan, China, I would have called them crazy and not believed them. I guess this is also why most countries acted too late and too little. It was so unbelievable that a pandemic could happen in our lifetime. Now, looking back, it makes absolute sense why it happened. But just over two months ago, it didn't. It hit me on February 27th, 2020, when I arrived in the U.S. and read about the first confirmed death in the United States and the first confirmed coronavirus case in Iceland, where I come from. I hadn't been concerned on the way to the U.S., but when I landed in San Diego and read the news, it suddenly hit me. We're having a worldwide pandemic, and everyone is going to be affected in one way or another. My first reaction was to go to CVS and buy a small hand sanitizer bottle. Two days later, I wanted to buy more bottles, but hand sanitizer was then sold out all over the United States. That's how fast the world changed in just two days. I was in the U.S. to attend Social Media Marketing World, and suddenly I didn't feel so great about going to a conference with 5,000 attendees. Several of the attendees were also concerned and decided not to go or were forbidden to go by their employers. The advice at the time was not to shake people's hands and wash your hands frequently, cough into your armpit and stay at home if you are sick. There was no talk of social distancing yet. I went to the conference with mixed feelings. Social media examiner, the host of the conference, had done what they could to make everyone feel safe based on the advice at the time. 
The high five guy did not give any high fives anymore and there were no free hugs and there was hand sanitizer everywhere. Looking back, I didn't behave as responsibly as I could have. I did do a few handshakes and I couldn't resist a few hugs. On the other hand, I did wash my hands more than ever before. And I did wash my hands well and often before. And I was using hand sanitizer too, something that I never saw the need to do before. I also tried to sit away from other people and I didn't socialize as much as I did at past conferences. For the next two weeks, I wondered if I had caught the virus or not. And when the two weeks had passed, I felt relieved that I didn't get sick during that weekend in San Diego. I actually haven't heard of anyone who got sick there, although some people caught the coronavirus later through other channels. From San Diego, I went to an event in Miami. It was a small event with less than 30 participants, so I was less concerned about contracting the virus, although you only need one sick person to contract the virus, of course. It was an interesting experience, though, because I felt that the half of the room was concerned about the virus and the other half of the room wasn't. I realized I was in the camp with those who were concerned. I was reading the news every day, as I've done every day since I was six years old. I was also checking independent and scientific resources, and everything confirmed that this was really, really serious. I began to feel weird around people who didn't take this as seriously as I did. I was starting to avoid door handles and pressing elevator buttons with my knuckles instead of my finger. I was beginning to adjust to the new normal of the virus, possibly being on any surface. On March 6th, I flew back to Iceland from the United States, and that was very strange. The airports were full of people. A few people were wearing face masks, and everyone was looking for hand sanitizer, but everything was sold out. The whole atmosphere was surreal. I tried to stay from other people, away from other people as much as I could, and I was grateful to be flying business class as it was half empty. I felt a huge relief when I arrived at my home in Iceland, and to see my husband there was another grateful moment. Three days later, I recorded an episode about the coronavirus and the looming recession, where I announced that I was postponing the Selfmade Summit to June 2021. At the time of the recording, there were 65 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Iceland and 500 people in quarantine, a country with a population of only 360,000 people. In only 12 days, confirmed cases had gone from 1 to 65 on an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I had been planning to spend whole of March in Iceland to see my family and prepare for my conference. That all changed very fast. My husband and I immediately started our own self-isolation, which is now seven weeks. I have asthma and my husband also has issues with his lungs, and we are not willing to take any risks. We still had to get back to Switzerland and were able to catch a flight on March 15th, the day after the last direct flight to Zurich. Since then, I've been at home and only go out for a walk once a day. At the time of this recording, seven weeks after my first coronavirus episode, there are 1,792 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in Iceland, but only 174 people in quarantine. 
There are currently 13 people in hospital and thereof just one in serious condition. Only 10 people have died, which is less than 0.15% of confirmed cases. Iceland has so far tested 46,352 individuals, which is equivalent to over 130,000 tests per million, which is the highest number of tests per capita in any country in the world. A private company offered to do free tests for anyone who wanted to be tested, and then they also randomly selected people for testing to get a clear picture of the spread of the virus. And the result is that about 0.8% of the population has been infected. With rigorous testing, tracing, and social distancing, Iceland has been able to flatten the curve fast and effectively, despite never going into full shutdown like most other countries had to do. Currently, Iceland is worldwide one of the best case studies for how to respond to a pandemic. In the last three days, only three new cases have been reported, and it looks like the virus is fully under control. What's so interesting about Iceland as a case study for COVID-19 is that Icelanders don't like to follow rules at all. I would even say that Icelanders like to break rules. But when there is a disaster, like an earthquake, volcanic eruption, or avalanche, or now pandemic, people in any sort of danger and need help, Icelanders stick together like one family, and the whole country helps each other. So the reason that all Icelanders were willing to do self-isolation, and there was therefore no need for full shutdown, wasn't because there was a rule they had to do it. It was because they knew it would help other people not get sick. In some other parts of the world, I don't see this solidarity, and I do wonder why. It is as if everyone is just thinking about themselves and doesn't care about others. Instead of listening to scientists and doctors, politics and conspiracy theories take over. My hair stands up if I hear about a yet another conspiracy theory. It boggles my mind that seemingly smart and well-read people believe in this bullshit. Instead of letting scientists and doctors decide what is best, politicians are playing with people's lives. That does make me worried about where our world is heading. Worldwide, there are now 2.6 million confirmed cases, and we already know that is hugely underreported. Probably it's more like 10 million cases because so few tests have been done and most people have mild symptoms or even no symptoms. At the same time, there are 200,000 reported deaths, but the actual number is estimated to be 60% higher as too many countries only count hospital deaths and not those who die in an elderly home or at their own home. I wake up almost every night, sweating, tossing and turning, it was more in the first few weeks and is getting a little bit less every day. Last night, it was the least it has been in the last seven weeks. I am worried about getting sick or that my husband gets sick. And my worst case scenario is if my dad would get sick as he has cancer. I'm generally worried about more people getting sick and dying. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I start to sweat too, although it didn't happen today. I know this is stress. I've had it before, and in the past, I often didn't know what I was stressed about. Now I know why. 
It's because of the coronavirus and the impact it can have on me, my family, and the whole world. Even though I think it is beautiful to see empty cities, the photographer in me loves these empty city images. I think these are extremely sad pictures. There is no life, and I love life. And I think we all want to live as long as we can. The virus isn't going away anytime soon, so you and I have to get used to this new normal. The fear of getting sick is real. This is not a made-up fear like some of other fears that people have to deal with on a daily basis. Still, living in fear every day is not very helpful, and luckily I don't feel I'm living in fear. I'm even enjoying being at home all day and only going out for a walk. I was a bit annoyed to have to cook every day. I love eating out and don't like cooking, but I'm getting used to this. I also miss not having my cleaner come and clean every week. But after almost seven weeks in self-isolation, I'm getting used to this new life. We humans are extremely adaptable, and that's why I know we'll come out of this experience as better human beings too. Life will never be the same again. The fear of a new pandemic will be with us for the rest of our lives. We will not live in fear, I don't think so. But we know that this is possible and it can happen again. But we also know what to do. It's not enough to wash hands and not shake hands if another pandemic comes along. We know now that we need social distancing to flatten the curve. And the best way to contain the virus is testing, tracing and quarantine. We didn't know all of these things just a few weeks ago, but now we do, and we can do it again. And if we need to do it again, we'll be quicker, and we will not lose so much time and so many lives. What's happening right now is the longest home office experiment ever done. It's basically a global home office experiment, and I love it. I've worked from home since 2010, and I'm a huge advocate for home office and I never want to work in an office again. Interestingly, companies that didn't allow home office or said it wasn't possible can suddenly do home office. Friends of mine who work in finance never had the chance to work from home before, and now they can, and they're loving it. I think it will be hard for many companies to argue that home office is not possible after this global experiment. And the companies that don't allow home office in the future I have a hard time finding employees. Many of those who got a taste for home office will use the opportunity to start their own business from home. What's having an even bigger impact, I think, than the home office experiment is the forced digitalization that is happening in every single industry right now. Pre-corona, online shopping was estimated to become a $4 trillion industry in 2020. Now, online shopping is growing at a double-digit rate in all categories except fashion, with luxury fashion being hit the worst. It is not high on the priority list for anyone to buy new clothes, but people are buying almost anything else that makes their lives easier, more effective, and also more fun. To give you an example of what me and my family and my company has bought in the last weeks that is not essential like food, here's a quick list for you. We ordered lounge furniture for the terrace, something that I've had on my to-do list for a decade, but never did until now. I ordered an office chair for my husband for his birthday. We're about to order new bar chairs in red, of course. 
We've gotten ourselves new iPads. I left mine on my last flight and then it got stolen by cleaning staff instead of being returned to lost and found. To play card games with our boys, my husband bought a steering wheel and pedals plus a gear shift for some computer game. Yesterday, I saw two nice red summer dresses on Instagram and ordered them. We also ordered an electrical chainsaw so we could cut down a tree on our terrace. And this morning, I just got the garden gloves that I've been waiting for for two weeks. They were unfortunately in medium, so we have to order new ones. I don't like gardening at all. I don't even have green fingers, but since I cannot have anyone in my house to do the terrace, I'm going to try to remove the weeds myself. But I ne- first, I need to find gardening gloves that fit. All of the online shops I've bought from in the last seven weeks were already online before, but I've seen fantastic examples of new online shops. Many restaurants and gourmet shops now offer takeaways. Unfortunately, there's nothing in my area, but I so wish there was. It is, of course, harder for brand new online shops to get noticed, but if they have a loyal offline following, people will look them up and find them and buy from them. Besides online shopping, service-based online business is booming like never before. For a few days, I was worried about the future of online business as it was clear that they were heading into a global and deep recession. But all my worries were whisked away. When I saw the success of my students and the increased demand in my own business, in the week of March 16th, the students in my Samba Kickstart program were supposed to have a webinar and make an offer. And normally this is one of the most exciting weeks in my Kickstart program. But this year, it was the worst possible week to make an offer. I added a lot of extra support that week and encouraged my students to go ahead and make their offers despite their fears that no one would buy. $150,000 were made by my students in one week, even though not everyone went ahead and made an offer. I'm so proud of my students and so happy how they were able to sell when everyone was still in panic. Many of them had never sold anything before or never online, so this was a huge win on so many levels. Originally, I wasn't planning on launching any programs until June or September, but with a sudden demand for online business, I decided to create a bootcamp and a brand new program. End of March, I did a live bootcamp, Create Your Recession-Proof Offer, with 470 participants. At the end of the bootcamp, I offered a new 10-week program called Online Turnaround that helps participants market and sell their newly created recession-proof offer. 10% of the participants of the bootcamp decided to join me in the online turnaround program and a few of them have already made their money back after only three weeks. With the great success of both the bootcamp and the new program, we're going to do the bootcamp again May 2nd and 3rd so we can help more people create a recession-proof offer. There's a small fee to join to ensure that you show up and do the work. You'll find a link to join in the show notes. People are not just learning how to build online businesses, though. They are using their time to learn cooking, music, singing, painting, and all kinds of other things. My clients who are in all kinds of industries are making sales. Even my clients who are stylists are selling their courses and membership sites in a time where you wouldn't think a style is a priority or wanted at all. The success stories are endless. The key is to have the right offer for the right people. 
Besides online shopping, online education, and online business in general, it's been interesting to see other areas being forced to go digital. Before I started my own business, I was a country manager for a software company selling software to schools in Switzerland. It was an uphill battle to convince schools to start to use any type of software that their pupils would also have access to. And this software didn't even include e-learning. That was totally off the table. Iceland has, on the other hand, been using a school management software for two decades. But e-learning was also quite primitive. The Icelandic school system had a five-year plan on how to take primary school education online, but suddenly there was a pandemic and they could do it in a weekend. Sometimes not having a choice is the best choice. I'm seeing so many other opportunities as a result of the pandemic. Shops are requiring customers to pay with credit cards or their phones instead of cash. I have for decades been a fan of a cashless economy because money is just dirty paper and it's also a hassle to always have to take cash out of an ATM. I never have cash with me except when I go to the US and it's only because of the tipping culture. Something needs to change there now. Using my watch or the phone is the best way to pay. No germs or viruses and I have full overview over what I spent. In Iceland we have had a cashless economy for a long time. You can pay everything with a credit card even a hot dog. Telemedicine has just been a futuristic thought and not implemented for you or me. But during the pandemic, we're seeing people being able to send an email to their doctor with a picture and getting a diagnosis. This was an impossible idea just a few weeks ago, and suddenly it's possible. It is all about the will to do it and has got very little to do with technology. Not having to go to the doctor when you can get help over email, phone, or video conferencing will hopefully become very normal and stay after the virus has gone. I also hope it will be possible to book an appointment with a doctor over a scheduling link instead of having to do a phone call. But maybe I'm being overly optimistic, especially here in Switzerland. Besides the forced digitalization and more interest in learning something new and useful during these times, there are many other interesting things happening. What you will have noticed is that leaders are being born during the pandemic. People you had barely heard of before are stepping up and showing true leadership. Some of those who are supposed to be leaders have failed and are making things worse. Everyone can be a leader. It's about the willingness to speak up, be proactive and take decisive decisions that may not be popular in the moment. It's been interesting to see how female-led countries generally do better than male-led countries. I'm proud to see how the leaders of Germany and New Zealand have risen to the occasion, not to forget the governor of the state of New York. I had never heard of the guy before, and now, not just the US, but the whole world is listening to his daily briefings. If you want to learn how to communicate in a crisis, you should be checking out these leaders. This brings me to the decision that I've taken in my business in the last seven weeks, and I want to give you the whole list. I've postponed my self-made summit to June 2021. I let go of three contractors to make room for new ones. I took a 50% pay cut and asked my team to take a 20% pay cut for the next six months. 
I'm doing daily team meetings to update my team on where we're at with all projects. I'm doing daily Facebook lives on what I'm doing in my business to inspire you to take the right decision for your business. I'm adding additional support to all programs until that's no longer needed. I created free turnaround resources uh, for our community. You can find the link in the show notes. I did a one-day virtual turnaround summit on how to navigate the crisis. I founded the Self-Made Fund with a $10,000 donation and the pledge to add 10% of our revenue for the next 90 days uh, to the fund as well. We are now close to 40,000 in donations, most of it uh, from my business, but also from my clients. And we have paid out several thousand dollars to self-made entrepreneurs in need. I've started a rebranding and website project. I'm running a paid weekend bootcamp with 470 participants, and we're doing it again uh, this coming weekend. I started a new program called Online Turnaround with 47 participants, and we did a momentum information call for 50 participants to enroll 10 new members into our year-long coaching programs. And this doesn't conclude everything we've done in my business. I've also decided to postpone our mastermind retreat for my VIP and Red Circle members that was going to happen in May. We're going to do it hopefully in October and maybe not until next year. I've also decided to not do my Sigrun Life conference, which is normally only for my clients in October. We're going to do it virtually this time. This crisis has given me extra energy to serve my clients and my community, and I hope the same is happening for you. My experience as a turnaround CEO has helped me navigate the situation in a way that I could never have foreseen. I'm truly grateful for everything that prepared me for this time, and I hope you're taking some learnings from my daily turnaround talks. Overall, the pandemic is bringing out the best and worst in people. Since I'm an internal optimist, I believe that many good things will come out of all of this. Our values will change, we will value things differently, and already are. Just being able to go out for a walk is precious. We'll travel less and stay more at home. I will definitely miss the traveling part. And I don't think I'll stop traveling, but I will travel less. More longer trips and less shorter trips. Some countries will be safer than others to travel to. Iceland is already on my list as it's one of the safest countries to go to with only one or two cases a day. Living in Switzerland, I just don't know when I will be able to go there and see my parents. For now, we need to stick to the rules and keep on flattening the curve. There are opportunities everywhere to make the best out of this situation. I want to end this episode with a modern version of the serenity prayer. In troubled times, may I find the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking this world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting in myself to make things right in my life, trusting in humanity to provide a better world for our children. If I do this, I may be able to find love and joy in my friends, family, and community. If you want to get an idea for what you can offer during this time, then join our upcoming Weekend Bootcamp, Create Your Recession-Proof Offer. You'll find a link to sign up in the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 376. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? 
Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle Sigrun.com and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.